listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I wanted to give you these because uh, I've noticed that I get a lot of people asking about, you know, because it almost seems like if you never see um, what we believe by faith or what's promised in the Bible, then you start having to build this doctrine that, well, God only wants some people to have that. God only wants some people to be blessed. You know, God only wants some people to be healed. He only wants some people to prosper. He only wants some people to have peace and joy. And uh, if you if you go throughout your life and you hear it preached that God's good and he wants to bless you and all these things, but you never actually see it come to pass in your own life, then you get frustrated and you start thinking to yourself, well, why am I not seeing that? Why is that not happening for me? I'm a Christian. How come I don't, how come I don't have those results in my own life? And then what, what happens to many people is then that's why they have to start uh, saying, well, the reason is it's because God doesn't want everybody. And then they start changing their doctrine uh, to accommodate the tragedies of their life. And you should never, ever do that. You should never change what you believe about God to match what's happening in your life. You should always adjust your life to what the Bible says and, and the doctrine of the scripture. And so I notice that one of the errors that people have many times is that they think that whenever you get saved, that things just automatically start um, blowing up around you for the good. Like, you know, once I get saved, you know, I'll never be sick again. I'll never be poor, you know, and they think all these things are just literally automatic. They think that uh, increase is just going to hit them like a wave as, as if they're standing on the beach and uh, their backs to the ocean and a wave of all these blessings just going to hit them. And that, you know, after that, they'll never be the same. Um, it's, it doesn't work that way. And the reason it doesn't work that way is because everything that we receive from God, we receive through faith. And again, if you're just logging on, take a minute to share the broadcast today because this needs to be heard. Everything we receive from God, we receive by faith. And so I want you to start by putting that in the comments today. What I receive from God, I receive by faith. Very, very important uh, that we start there. Because if it was just automatic, if we had nothing to do with it, then there would be no reason for us to accompany our faith with works. And that's what the book of James teaches. It teaches that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And he said, I sh I'll show you my faith by my works. And so uh, it's important to understand that your faith, I, I like what uh, Bishop Oyedepo says. He said that if your faith does not have proofs, it's fake. If your faith does not have proofs, that's his terminology, it's fake. And so faith needs to have works that accompany it. Do I believe that the Bible is true? Yes, I do. So because I believe that the Bible is true, I will obey the commands that are in the Bible. 
Because I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, I will live a life that is congruent with the instructions, commands of Christ. Uh, There's a reason that I speak like I speak. There's a reason that I'm faithful to attend church. There's a reason that I preach the gospel and minister to those that are lost. It's because I believe that the Bible's the word of God. I have faith that it's God's word. And I also have faith that Jesus is coming back soon. So because I have faith, look what it does. It produces works. Because I have faith, it produces works. If I just said, well, yeah, no, of course I have faith. Uh, Of course I have faith. You should just know that I have faith. Um, And I want to read this to you. I'm in the book of James. But um, listen to to the way that this is broken down in James chapter 2. Listen to James 2.14. The Bible says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? And that's... Obviously rhetorical, the answer is no, it can't. Uh, 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, be filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so one of the things that you uh, can recognize right off the bat is that our faith should be accompanied by good works. And then the things that we do in faith cause God to reward the faithful. That's huge. The things that we do in faith or by faith cause God to reward the faithful. That's why the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six that um, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he's a rewarder of who? Not everybody. He's not a rewarder of everybody, but of those that diligently seek him. Those that diligently seek him. Lenahan said, I was looking forward to that green chair. I tried to move it through the door. It's such a big green chair. It would not come through the doorway. So I'm in a yellow chair, but you can't see it because it's small. But understand, understand something that um, without faith, we can't play, please him. But look at this. Uh, we must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder. But of who? Of everybody that diligently seeks him. And so... I think it's very important to uh, say that off the bat because God doesn't, he's not required to reward everybody. Do you realize if God did reward everybody in the first place, that would make the faithfulness of his children unimportant. You, You see that? Because remember this, if God rewarded everybody the same way, if it was like an equal uh, distribution of wealth in the kingdom, if that's how God operated, then it would make the faithfulness of his children irrelevant. It wouldn't matter if you obeyed his word. It wouldn't matter if you were faithful to his commands. It wouldn't matter if you did or tried to carry out his agenda in the earth. None of those things would matter if God just randomly and arbitrarily poured out his blessings on everybody the same way. And so one of the things that it does, and I like what Pastor David 
uh, Renzel said, it, it works is a direct reflection of our character, which is absolutely true. If it's in you, it's going to come out of you. As Jesus said, that good fruit comes out of a healthy tree. There's no dead tree that can produce healthy fruit. You'll produce rotten fruit. But if you are alive in Christ, you'll produce good fruit. And so it's exactly right, Sandra. She said it's like everybody winning a trophy. I'm against that too. You know, everybody getting a participation trophy. It devalues the champion's trophy. It, if everybody gets one, there's no point in getting one, right? And so it devalues the rewards of those that have overcome. You know, I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to um, receive a trophy if everybody's getting one, then there's no, there's nothing special about that trophy. And so the reward God gives his children is the same way. It's if he gave it to everybody, then what's the point of being faithful to him? What's the point of being faithful to his word? What's the point of being faithful to do his, uh, carry out his agenda? And so Kelly says, the greater your faith, the greater your reward. I believe so. Because if you look in the, in the scripture, uh, there were people who operated in levels of faith. I, I spoke about this briefly on Sunday morning yesterday in the earliest service that we did. And one of the things that I was teaching about is that faith is not faith across the board, right? It's not, it's not like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. It, it's not that you're either in faith or you're not. There are different levels of faith. There's no question about that. That's taught in the Bible. You know, Jesus said at one point to his disciples when they were on the ship and they were afraid and they woke him up off of a pillow and asked him to, you know, help them or save them. He said, oh, ye of little faith, little faith. So in that moment, they were exhibiting a small amount of faith. In fact, it was faith that was so small that they didn't step out and use it to bring about the uh, outcome that they needed, which was to preserve their lives in the storm. And so what did Jesus say to them? Oh, ye of little faith, little faith. There was another time where Jesus said to them, how is it that you have no faith? So you've got a, an area of no faith, but then you've got ye of little faith. So you go, go to a little, but then <clears throat> Jesus speaks to a centurion soldier in Matthew chapter eight, what does he say to him? He said, I've not seen faith as great as this in all of Israel. So here's a man who had great faith, the, the Roman centurion, Matthew chapter eight, where he said to Jesus, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. So notice there are, there are different levels of faith. And we know how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there are different levels of faith. And it's a great question that she asked because this is one of the misconceptions, you know, because we'll, we will see, um, we will see things like, for example, uh, that you can have the faith, faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed and speak to the mountain, tell it to be cast into the sea. And if you believe and don't doubt in your heart, it'll be done for you. And so people will sometimes, um, sometimes people will, devalue the, the importance of growing in faith. Don't ever devalue that because the, that's the currency that lets us please the Lord. And so 
we, without question, we know that not only Christ, God wants us to grow in faith, wants us to increase in faith. Why do you think that he was mad that his disciples, or, or frustrated, that his disciples had a lack of faith and that he was encouraged or happy that the centurion had great faith? Do you know it upset Jesus when he went back to his own hometown of Nazareth, Mark chapter six, verses one through six, and he couldn't do any mighty work there, not one, except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. So he wanted to do mighty works. He wanted to touch the whole city or town and he couldn't because of their unbelief. But then the Bible says he could still touch a few sick people and heal them. But look at verse six. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And so it, Jesus couldn't believe it. He, he couldn't believe that he had great gifts to give the people and couldn't give them to them because they had a lack of faith. And so it does affect what you can receive from God. It absolutely affects uh, what you can receive from God. So uh, then Emmy, Emmy is asking, does the level of our faith have to do with the gifts of the spirit? Well, it obviously it takes faith to operate in the gifts of the spirit. We do everything that we do for God by faith. When I preach, even just preaching, I'm preaching by faith and believing that as I preach, people will receive the word of God, that those that need to be saved will be saved, that those that need to be healed will be healed, those that need to be delivered will be delivered. I'm doing that action by faith. And so in the same way, Emmy, it takes faith to operate in the gifts of the spirit, faith in God. And so um, Jesus marveled, he was blown away at their unbelief and obviously did not want them to stay in unbelief. So what did he do? Verse six at the end tells us, and he went about among the villages teaching. Well, why did he do that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Jesus said, as my father's preached for years, that uh, teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. Teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. And so one of the things we know is that Jesus was not happy with people staying at low levels of faith. He wanted their faith to rise. That's why he was so happy when he found people with great faith. He loved it. Great faith moves the Lord. And so um, then Karen has a question uh, about a faith in 2 Corinthians 4.13, which Carolyn has dealt with. And since we have the same spirit of faith, keeping that with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. I read it in context there talking about speak, meaning evangelism, true. Yes, what you speak is based upon what you believe. You're never going to say something. You're never going to uh, preach something that you don't believe. It's always going to flow out of a heart of faith. You say what you believe to be true. That's why you have to change the mind if you want to see increase in growth. Because if you have wrong thinking or wrong believing, it'll lead to wrong speaking. Then it leads to wrong actions. It leads to wrong expectations. And I'll show you that practically in a moment. But let's read it in context. The Apostle Paul saying here, we have a treasure in jars of clay. That's the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing. To show us that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. 
We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, not driven into despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed, always carrying in the death of Je- uh, carrying in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus, bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So don't lose heart. So you understand what's going on here is that he's laying out an understanding that yes, we're being persecuted. Yes, they're coming against us. Yes, they're killing us. They're beating us. Yes, there is affliction. Yes, they're coming against the people of God. However, though our bodies are wasting away, our spirits are being renewed day by day. Inside of our bodies, we have the Holy Spirit from heaven and we're preaching what we believe to be true and that he's he's making this... uh, There's a dichotomy here that although that the spirit of death is working in us, notice what he's saying here, or not the spirit of death, but death is at work in us, talking about being killed, being persecuted, being destroyed, but life is in you. Why? Because you're hearing the gospel and coming into the kingdom. And so we're sacrificing ourselves in affliction and persecution for those that we're preaching to who are coming into new life in Christ. So there are uh, there's two ways that, that that was working so that their faith caused them to keep on going with what? The things we're talking about with the works that prove their faith. So understand the apostles couldn't just say, yeah, we got faith. No, it was their preaching in the midst of persecution. It was them going out and traveling and going on missionary journeys and being beaten and being stoned and being killed. And later we know many were martyred for what they believed. Well, that was their faith at work because they said, we're not going to stop. We're not going to cut off our works and just say we have faith. We're going to do what we're commanded to do by faith that will match our works. And so the faith that we have is important. It's important to increase in faith. And so to answer more fully the question about the gifts, when when Jesus was with his disciples and they said, hey, they brought this um, demon-possessed man to us. We couldn't cast the demon out of him. Jesus did it without any problem, Mark chapter 9. And then later when they said, how come we couldn't cast that demon out? He said what? Because of your unbelief of your unbelief. He said, there's a lack of faith in you. And he said, and this kind of demon doesn't come out except by prayer. And so what Jesus was saying was, you've got to keep your faith level high and then you release the power of God that's in you through prayer. And so uh, I wanted to lay that groundwork first because we've got to understand that yes, God does want us to increase in every area. He wants us to increase in every area of life. And he wants us to see fruit, be fruitful and see that fruitfulness manifesting daily. Not everybody does, but it's not because he doesn't want it or because he's sovereign and he's picking and choosing who will be blessed and who will not. It's not working like that. It's that it's that there's a few reasons. Number one, some have not increased in faith. 
Number two, some have not been taught what is proper. And as I said a moment ago, if you've got wrong thinking and wrong believing, what'll it do? It leads to wrong speaking. It leads to wrong actions and wrong expectation. It actually, now think about this. This will blow your mind. It actually gives you faith in the wrong thing. Think about that for a minute. It gives you faith in the wrong thing. So if I have, based on wrong thinking, wrong believing, let's say, for example, I'll give you a practical example. Let's say how we grew up. Let's say, which does shape a lot of people, their expectation, it shapes their attitude, how we were raised, right? Let's go by that. So if you're raised to believe that, you know, well, for our family, nothing good ever happens. You know, we're, we're just always, we've always struggled. We always will struggle. Nobody in our family ever went to college. Nobody in our family was ever out of debt. Nobody in our family ever owned a home. Nobody in our family, you know, cancer runs through our family. You know, so if, if that's the way that you were raised and people talked in your family and that's the way you believe, then what's going to happen? What's going to happen is it's going to give you a wrong belief, which then will cause, as I was just reciting, wrong speaking. So starting off, your confession is going to be wrong. Why? Because your confession is based on what you've known in the natural for your whole life growing up in your family. Instead of aligning what you say with what the Bible already says, then you go further and your actions your actions are going to be governed by what you believe. So uh, if you don't ever believe that your family can be blessed or that you know you can be healed of cancer or those things, you'll do things that align with what you have a belief in. And then, of course, your expectation. Your expectation will be for what you've already seen happen in your family. Well, you know, no, nobody in our family's ever had enough money. You know, we've always been in debt. We've always had credit card debt. You know, our family's always rented. We've always had to borrow. You know, our family's never had nothing. Our family's always been sick. I'm sure I'll probably deal with that one day myself. You know, cancer runs in the family. And that's how people expect. And they, so what I'm saying is they have faith in the wrong thing. They have faith in what has been the story of their family for generations. And so as a result, you will have what you expect. You'll have what you say. Whatever you give entrance to in your life, it'll take rulership over you. So you've got to be the person that says, hold on, let me back up. I'm not going to, now that I'm a Christian, I'm not going to allow myself to have an expectation for the devil's plan in my life, that would be crazy. I don't have a plan or an expectation for the devil's plan in my life. I refuse that, that's not gonna be my choice. Why would I have an expectation that one day sickness is gonna come upon my body? That's foolish. But do you know how many people do that and talk like that? I mean, raise your hand in the comments section if you know people that talk like that. Well, you know that runs in our family. Uh, my grandmother had it and my mother had it. I'm sure one day I'll have to deal with it. Raise your hand if you know people that talk like that. I want to see. I want to see who I'm talking to. Because I've seen it. I've had those conversations with people and listened to them talk like that. Well, you know, 
I mean, if you've heard that, see, Ed says he has. Sanjita says she has. Jaden has. And you've got this, you know, people, Leslie, you got people like, yeah, you know, that's just how it is. That's just how it is in our family. Kim Hughes said drives her nuts. And Kim, it's great to see you. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it drives me nuts too. Because what it really is doing is contradicting the power and the truth of God's word. Are you saying that God's word is not greater than the past? Yeah. AJ, well, it's allergy season again. You know, it's like, how do you believe that God's word and his spirit has so little power that it can't even keep you from something small? It drives me nuts as well. And so, you know, if you've got wrong thinking and wrong believing, it'll lead to wrong expectations. It'll lead to wrong confession. It'll lead to wrong actions. And so right at the baseline, at the baseline of all of this is that we understand that there are levels of faith and that God wants us to grow in faith. Lord, increase our faith. Was that not a prayer? Lord, increase our faith. That's a huge and important prayer because, and you look at the two things that the, uh, that the disciples <clears throat> asked Jesus in Luke 17, five, they said, Lord, increase our faith. And then in another point, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So they understand that, that two things that, that were important is number one, I know that Jesus operates in faith. I need great faith. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Secondly, teach us to pray. So they obviously understood that it was Jesus' faith and his life of prayer that caused him to be successful in what he did for the Lord, for the kingdom. And so when we talk about, and I'm gonna give you these traits today, that will keep you growing, that will keep you increasing in life, in every area of life that you've got to have. And they're given to us by the Holy Spirit. And we've got to employ them to continue to see growth and increase. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about just financial increase. I'm talking about every area of your life should increase steadily. Every area of your life should grow. I did a podcast um, one time called The Five Areas of Life That You Must Master. Because I believe there are five major areas of life that if you don't master them, they will master you. And, um, and so when we understand that there are areas of life that we obviously have to get a victory over, uh, it's not just your finances that you need victory in that area. There are other areas of life that you've got to have victory in those areas if you're going to see increase, if you're going to see blessing. And Emmy is asking, isn't it a choice too? You can choose to change things by stepping out in faith and believing things will change or choose to keep doing the same thing over and over and having the same results. Well, of course, of course it's a choice. That's what I'm teaching today. That's why so many people never change. That's why so many people never ever come out of the problem they're in and see the blessing of the Lord. And then people start changing their doctrine. Well, the reason we, pe people have never seen it or we've never seen it, it must not be God's will for us to be blessed. No, it has nothing to do with that. God honors your faith, but then he cannot honor your lack of faith. It's both ways. 
I want you to see, I just gave you the scriptures to show you both of those. God honors your faith, but he cannot honor your lack of faith. So Jesus went to Nazareth with the plan of performing mighty miracles there and then could not honor their lack of faith. And the Bible says he couldn't do any mighty works in that city because of their unbelief. So I want you to put it in the comments. God cannot honor my lack of faith. God cannot honor a lack of faith. But he does honor people's faith. When people do step out in faith, when they do uh, believe his word and step out on his word, he honors that. And that's what we see with the centurion because catch this today. He's not even a Jew. This was an Italian soldier. He was not part of the family of God. He was not part of those to whom Jesus was sent. He was an Italian soldier. And that's why Jesus was blown away. He goes, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. He wasn't talking about in the nation of Israel, like within the, the boundaries of the borders of Israel. Man, we're outside the country. Now I'm seeing, no, he's talking about the people of Israel, the people of Israel. I've not seen faith like this in all of my people. They don't believe me in the same way you believe me. That's the point he was making. He was going, this is amazing. This is amazing. You've got faith. You're not even part of my chosen people and you believe me more than my own people do. And so what's the point here is that Jesus is happy about his faith and he honors the man's faith, even though he's not a Jew. And then he goes to his own and his own don't receive him. And so you do have to have faith. You do have to step out in faith and you should be growing in faith. So I'll give you right off the bat, number one, the first uh, trait that we need to have for consistent increase in every area is growing in faith, growing in faith. And so how does one grow in faith? How do we grow in faith? How do we grow in faith? Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Karen asks, I just got your mountain moving faith from Miracle Word University. Do you go over this again? Yes, that's a full teaching on the subject of faith in Miracle Word University, uh, Karen. So you'll be able, there's so much teaching in there. It'll go in depth on every area of this subject of mountain moving faith. But number one is growing in faith. If you're not growing in faith, don't waste your time by not growing in faith. Take steps. So, you know, you're already doing it because if you're logged into this uh, broadcast or if you're listening to me right now on the podcast, then you're already taking steps to grow in faith. Because when you listen to preaching and teaching, the Bible says it is building your faith. Now, of course, we know that Romans chapter 10 in context is talking about faith to be saved, but it's also faith to be healed, faith to be delivered. All of those types of faith come from hearing God's word. You know, it's like as Paul was preaching and there's a man sitting there who needs a miracle. And the Bible says, and then Paul perceiving that the man had faith to be healed. Notice that. So while the man's listening to Paul preach and minister, 
Paul perceived the man now has faith to be healed. So what happened? His faith grew as he was there listening to the ministry. And then he got to the place where his faith was in, in line and ready to receive his healing. And so it doesn't matter what it's for. Faith comes through the preaching and teaching of God's word comes through the preaching and teaching of God's word. And let me tell you, it pleases God that we grow in faith and it pleases God that we act in faith. That's why it's the baseline. It's number one, because if we don't have this, then the rest is unimportant because remember, and I want you to put it in the comments once again, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Put it in once again, faith is the currency of the kingdom. I feel like Sean is coming against me personally. Sean Salisbury said, it's like owning a gym membership, but never going to the gym to work on your faith. I feel like that's a word of knowledge that I had that Planet Fitness membership for a year and never went. I think he's operating in the gifts. That's right. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Put it in the comments section today. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. No question about it. No question about it. And so that's got to be baseline. That has to be number one for us that we grow and increase in faith. Number two, the second trait of any responsible believer that's going to continue to see growth in area of life. And you know that I've dealt with this at length and I'm going to hit it again today because without it, there is going to be no growth. There is going to be no increase because remember this, all growth all increase is planned. There, there's not accidental growth. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I don't know, even know what I was doing. I was just messing around. And all of a sudden, I'm you know, multimillionaire. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Look at this. For even people that, let's say natural wealth, even for people that it does happen for them that way, it doesn't stay that way because they, they got somewhere that they could not sustain themselves like lottery winners, right? Do a study on lottery winners. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find that though they may win the lottery, a couple years later, most, most of them addicted to drugs, have lost their wealth, relationships are destroyed. Why? They just got thrown into a place that their character can't keep them. And so it destroys them. It's not a blessing to them. It destroys them. And so I want to show you this because in number two, I want to deal with that subject of self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit. And anybody that's listened to me for any period of time knows that I believe that it's the fruit of the spirit that is most important. Although we know that the Bible says love is the highest, uh, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, endures forever. God is love. However, I don't believe that love is the most important gift or fruit of the Holy Spirit. I believe that uh, self-control is the most important. And the reason for that is because love is an action, not a feeling. Love's an action, not a feeling. And if you don't have self-control, you will never walk in love. When your flesh doesn't feel like walking in love, you won't. 
When your, faith, when your flesh doesn't feel like treating people kindly or gently, you won't. And so self-control is truly the most important because all of the fruit of the Spirit are choices. All of the fruit of the Spirit are. But if we don't have self-control, we won't make any of those choices to be joyful, to be peaceful, to be gentle, to be kind, to be patient, to be loving. We won't, we won't step out in any of those areas if we don't have self-control. So faith is first, but self-control is second. And I, I could, you know, I could teach for a long period of time on the subject of self-control. I won't, I want to hit a couple of things quickly so that you see what I mean by this. But, you know, one of the things that I saw uh, this last year was a, was a quote, and I don't remember who said it, or maybe it was something I just saw online. Self-control is the second one, Kelly. But uh, basically, this was the gist of the quote. It was that discipline makes passion unnecessary. I want to break that down for you. Oh, I'm glad, Mary Jo. Discipline makes passion unnecessary. And I'm going to break down what that means because obviously we should be passionate and disciplined, but why does discipline make passion unnecessary? Well, there's a lot of people that start things and get really passionate. I've been guilty of this and people that know me on here are laughing at me because they know it's true. I, I have one of those personalities where I'll get really passionate about something, really into it, and I'll go full force. I'll go hardcore for like, you know, six months on it. And then I, once I feel like I've mastered it or once I've gotten my fill of it or whatever, I'll drop it to the side and, you know, not even do it anymore. And uh, I, like, truly, I'm like that. I'll give you an example. My wife still makes, makes fun of me about this. I was, um, I got really into for a period of time. I got really into leather making and leather working where I was, you know, buying big pieces of leather, scraps of leather. I had all the tools to work on leather, you know, um, I had bought a bunch of gum tragacanth uh, to burnish the ends. I bought, you know, uh, stuff to, to punch holes and to put in snaps. And I bought all the needles to sew and all the synthetic threads to make, make things out of leather. And I made a couple of things and, you know, all of that. And then literally after I'd made maybe like a pouch and a couple other things, I was like, I don't know if I just became disinterested or whatever. And I was in the middle of making my wife like a really nice, uh, leather checkbook that she could uh, hold the check checkbook in. And it was like halfway I'd, I'd cut it and I'd, I would, I had measured it out and everything. And the project never was finished. And I was passionate, man, passionate about that leather working for like six months, uh, and everything, but, uh, kind of just fell off. And, and one of the things that, that you realize is that there are people that like that in every area of life is that they get passionate about doing something. As long as the passion is there, they're doing it. As long as the passion is there, they're on it. But once the passion or what we might call the uh, the honeymoon phase of something ends, you know, people that are only passionate drop off the map. You don't see them anymore. And it's a mistake to rely on passion to be consistent. It's a mistake to rely on passion to be consistent. And I want you to put that in the comments because here's a massive mistake people make. It is a mistake to rely on passion 
to stay consistent. And that's what this quote was all about, that discipline makes passion irrelevant. You don't need the passion if you will form the discipline. You don't need the passion if you will uh, create the discipline to do the thing. If you make it a, a, a habit in your life, a discipline of your life, you don't do it because you feel like doing it. You do it because you've disciplined yourself to do it. And then that's what one of the things that I'm happy about is that that's one of the things that I've kept with my, with my own life. So for example, you know, even in just uh, looking at your own personal health, when I started doing some uh, looking into some uh, studies on, on health, I started going through all of these different uh, studies where I was like, okay, these are the most common things that afflict people in America. You know, people that deal with heart disease or heart problems, high blood pressure, hypertension, um, type two diabetes, you know, you go through the list, things that uh, really could be considered uh, what they call metabolic syndrome, meaning you could change these things just by discipline. And I started looking at all of the things that plague Americans and then coming back to what is it that you can change uh, by wisdom to keep yourself out of these problems? Well, it was blowing my mind that um, as I was looking at all these things, it really kept coming back to basically like the same three or four things that you could do to keep yourself out of all those problems. It wasn't like you had to do 21 things. It was like when you came down to it, it really was all of the problems that people deal with in America and really North America could be handled if they would just discipline themselves to do a few basic things. And those things are as basic as keeping your heart rate up for 30 minutes a day, at least 30 minutes a day. You know, going for a brisk walk. You don't even have to run. You know, just going for a brisk walk for 30 minutes every single day, which is not hard to do. Going out, listen to your Bible while you're doing it and, and get your heart rate up to where it needs to be in that area for your age and do it for 30 minutes. Uh, if people would keep their heart rate up, if people would sleep properly, if people would just do things that would, you know, basically cut out sugars and stuff like that. A few things. It wasn't like a list of 20 things, but if you just discipline yourself to do it. And that's one of the areas that I'm happy that I've been able to keep the passion out of that area and keep the discipline in that area and tying things together so that, you know, if you're doing multiple things at once to keep these disciplines alive, then it really, it becomes double duty or even triple duty so that if I'm out doing an hour or a half hour walk for my heart and for my body, I can also pray. I can also listen to the word of God through my phone into my, into my earbuds. And so I'm, I'm building my spirit. I'm talking to God. I'm hearing from God. I'm working my physical body, my heart, my mind is being renewed. So you can do things like that, not based on passion, but based on discipline, making it a discipline of your life. And it's very important because without self-control, without discipline, then you'll have all these things plague your life. You'll have all these things plague your life. You wonder, where's my increase? Where's my growth? How come not? Why am I not growing? Why am I not blessed? Why am I not increasing? It's because there are not proper disciplines in place to cause growth to happen, to cause increase to happen. And so number one is faith building, 
But number two is self-control. You've got to have self-control as a part of your life if you want to see never-ending increase, never-ending growth. It's just as plain. And I know it's funny because you preach or teach on things like that. And people are like, oh man, that just seems so, that just seems so elementary. There's no deep revelation there. It's not a deep revelation. But imagine this though, even though it's because people love deep revelation that may not necessarily have much application. You know what I mean? It's like people love to hear new things. People love to hear new things. People love to hear uh, things that they would consider heavy revelation or, wow, that's deep. I've never really thought of it that way before. That's why we love fad things, things that are fads that go in and out. You know, if you really want to lose weight, do this. If you want to, you know, do the potato diet, do the water diet. You know, there's all these different things. And really, it's so simple. You know, people hear something like, you know, what does it take to truly be healthy? Keep your heart rate up. (laughs) It's like, oh, that doesn't seem deep enough. But it's not about how deep it is. It's about the fact that even though people know what they should do, they don't do it. Think about that. Even though people know what they should do, they don't do it because they won't use self-control to make themselves do what they know they should do. Everybody knows how to lose weight. Most Americans don't lose weight. They're gaining weight. There is no way that I'm posting the link to the potato diet. But that was a real thing. I think uh, Penn Gillette did that of Penn and Teller. And that's one of the things that sparked all of his weight loss. He just thought, well, I'll eat the same food until I'm sick of it. (laughs) It's like, that's all I'm eating. But in all honesty, people know how to do these things. It's just that they don't do them. And so it takes self-control, which by the way, is not uh, me preaching self-help to you or, you know, something from the Barnes and Noble uh, self-help section. It is a gift and it is uh, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. He gave it to us. So understand this, without that, without the Holy Ghost, we could not have self-control. The Bible's clear on that. People that are not uh, Christians have no ability to literally live controlled lives. You can't choose not to sin. You can't choose not to uh, have issues in your mind. You can't choose those things as someone who's dead in trespasses and in sins. You're a slave, the Bible says, to those things. It's a work of the Holy Spirit to be self-controlled. And so I want to deal with that. Number three, and I mean, I could keep going on that, but there's, it's, you've heard enough to understand it has to be alive and at work in your life. If you're going to see increase, if you're going to see continual growth, you have to, have to have it. You've got to do it. If you want to see growth, number three, if you want to have growth and never ending increase in your life, you've got to have prayer as a part of your life, as a daily part of your life. But why? Why do you need prayer? Well, one of the main reasons that you need to have prayer, and it's it's amazing to me that people have a, a wrong view of prayer. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. I want you to put that in the comments. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. What do I mean by that? It's not just us talking to God. It's God talking back to us. 
It's not just us talking to God. It's God talking back to us. I, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough because really the important thing is hearing God speak to you, not you speaking to God. I want to hear what he has to say. I already know what I have to say. And by the way, he already knows what I have to say. I want to hear what the Lord has to say to me. I want to be led by his spirit. I want to get instructions for the future. I want to know where to go, what to do. That all comes through prayer. I want the Lord to speak to me. And so if I'm going to grow, I need a word from the master. I need instruction from the master. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. I go to um, Luke, once again, Luke 22 and verse 35. And in Luke twenty two thirty five, 35, you can see how powerful it is when you get instructions from the master. When he gives you instructions, it causes you to grow, increase, and be blessed. Instructions from the master. Of course, before I read you Luke twenty two thirty five, 35, I'll quote once again Isaiah 48, 17, where the Bible says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. So when the Lord leads you by his spirit, he always leads you into a place where you will profit. And it's a way that you should go. He doesn't lead you into a place where you diminish. He doesn't lead you in a place where you're failing, where you're losing. He leads you into increase. He leads you into blessing. So notice this, Luke 22 and verse 35, Jesus is reminding these disciples of something. He said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. You see that? He had already given them instruction in Luke chapter 10 to go out. Don't take a, a, a money bag or knapsack or sandals or extra gloves. He said, don't take an extra rope. And they went out and preached and did all that they were called to do. He said, but let me ask you this. Did you lack anything? Because I told you not to take extra. They said, we didn't lack anything. That's an exciting part of the verse, but let me direct you to the important part of the verse. And he said to them, when I sent you, that's the important part. When I sent you, when I sent you, that means that it is the instruction of the master that ensures you'll have more than enough. Put that in the comments. It's the instruction of the master that ensures you'll have more than enough. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Even the man after God's own heart, David, understood that. Because when, the, when you come to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and the Bible says that they had come and taken all of he, he and his men's wives and their children, their livestock, stolen everything and, made, and plundered them. David said, I'm not even going to go out to try to retrieve any of it unless the Lord's going to be with me. If he doesn't give me an instruction to go, I'm not going. That was David's position. If he doesn't give me instruction to go, if he won't go with me, I'm not going. And the Lord said, go, you'll recover all. And only then he wasn't moved 
by the fact that his men were talking about stoning him, killing him. He wasn't moved by any of that. He wasn't moved by the loss of his uh, possessions or his family, but he was moved by the instructions of the Lord. And when the Lord said, go for you shall recover all, then he went, then he went. But notice it was what he got as he sought after the Lord that caused him to go and recover all and to be blessed. We need instructions from the Holy Ghost. I mean, I could tell you story after story of what it means to be led by the Spirit. But you're led by the Spirit through the Spirit of prayer. And the Lord speaks to you. I mean, literally, everything the Lord's done for us in the last three years has all been based upon an instruction I got from the Lord in prayer. He said, move, move to Florida. There was no reason to move to Florida. I wasn't doing anything there to reason... I'm an evangelist. I can be based anywhere. And I already had a home, a beautiful place, centrally located in Virginia. Already, I could, if I want to go north, I could go north, south. I'm there, right in the center. But the Lord said, move. And so we moved. And then the Lord blessed us abundantly when I got to Florida, blessed us with a home that's more beautiful, better than what I had in Virginia, blessed us with an office, a studio, blessed us with all the equipment, blessed us with everything that we're, we're doing now, have now, blessed us now we're on television, all the things we're doing. God did all of it. God did all of it. And it was in direct response to the word that he gave me. It was in direct response to him leading us by his Holy Spirit. I need that. Well, how did it come? How did all those things come to me? I was driving in the car from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Rochester, New York and praying. And I'd made up my mind that I was going to pray in tongues the entire drive, the entire way, and let the Lord speak to me. I said, I'm not going to listen to preaching, music. I'm not going to call people on the phone. I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't 10 to 15 minutes of praying. It wasn't 10 to 15 minutes of praying until the Lord began to speak to me and give me instructions about what to do. 10 to 15 minutes. 10 to 15 minutes, and all of a sudden, power of God came on me, and I began to hear from the Lord. Well, I called Carolyn, told her, this is what the Lord's saying. She prayed. The Lord spoke the same thing to her, and we made the move quickly because the Lord spoke to us to do it, and God's blessed us abundantly because of it. See, if we don't hear from God, you can't grow. If I would have stayed where I was doing the same thing I've always done, remember this, there is no maintenance mode in the kingdom. And this is big. You're either growing or you're shrinking. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. I know that's a crazy thought and it's an urgent thought for many, but it needs to be said. It needs to be heard. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You're either increasing or decreasing. You're either being blessed or you're missing out on your blessings. Don't think you can just stay in the same place after God's spoken. You can't. If God has given you an instruction, you'll either obey it and be blessed or you'll ignore it and you'll lose out. That's it. That's all there is. This is why hearing the voice of the Lord is so important and obeying it is so important. And so number one, you got to have faith. Number two, self-control. Number three, you've got to pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to. Uh, 
I'll say it this way. Number four, you have to, you have to, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. You have to fill yourself with the proper fuel that will cause you to treat people right. So in the beginning, we dealt with faith comes by hearing the word. You've got to renew your mind and fill yourself with the word and you've got to treat people right. This is number four. You've got to walk in love. You've got to walk in peace with others. You've got to do unto others as you'd have them to do unto you. This is a vital, vital part of growing, increasing, is what you do for other people. What you do for other people. I've seen so many people that burn bridges. Well, if he doesn't agree with me, screw him. I'm done with that. Burn bridges. That's all they do. They burn bridges. They can't hold relationships. They cannot hold relationships. They, they just absolutely can't. They can't deal with people. They, they, they can't. They, they have no connections. Nobody, nobody even fellowships with them because they can't be fellowshiped with. So you have to fill yourself with the proper fuel to treat people right. You've got to treat people right. You've got to walk in love towards people. My desire is always to bless others. That's my desire. I want to bless others in everything that I do. My desire is that when I'm with a group of people or with, even if it's one person, my desire is to be the one who is blessing the other, not the other way around. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for somebody to pay my way. I'm not looking for somebody else to take care of me. My desire is to bless others. And because I do, I'll be blessed. The generous will be blessed. You know, it's sad to me that I was, I was watching uh, a secular marketing guy. And some of you probably know who he is. If I, if I said his name, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. And, and I was listening to him one time and it blew my mind because he had this understanding that Christians don't even have, which, which was, I couldn't understand it. Um, as Michael Scott says in the office, it was mind bottling, puts your mind in a bottle. Anyway, <laughs> he said, he developed a principle in his life called the 5149 principle. And so when I started listening to him teach on this 5149 principle, uh, this was what he said. He said, um, in any relationship that I have, I want to be the one who's giving 51% of the value in any relationship, which means I'm giving at any given time more than I'm getting. I'm giving more than I'm taking. And that's my desire too. And I was like, man, it's crazy to me that he understood that as a sinner, that you should always be seeking to bless other people. You should always be seeking to be the one who is giving more than you're taking. I was like, it's crazy that he gets that. And then you got Christians that are walking around looking for a handout, always trying to use other people, always trying to suck other people dry. You know, I, I need you to help me. You should be helping me. And, and, and instead of being the one who, by the blessing of Abraham, is sent to be a blessing to other people. And we are. 
And that's the key, is that you should be seeking to be a blessing. Watch how you treat people. Are you walking in love? Are you walking to be a blessing? Because one thing that happens is, if you get bent out of shape with other people, if you're walking in a place where you're in unforgiveness, if you're holding a grudge, if you're irritated at other people, all these things, it will stop your faith from working. It will stop you from growing. It will stop you from increasing. It will stop you from being blessed. Don't think that you can just have a good relationship with the Lord and screw everybody else. It can't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You should be seeking to bless. You should be seeking to forgive. You should be seeking to walk in peace with other people. And you know what the Bible says? Because the Lord knew we'd be dealing with humans who are uh, not perfect. They're imperfect. The Bible says, it tells us in the epistles, that we should make room for one another's faults. Put that in the comments. Make room for one another's faults. We're commanded to do that. We're commanded to do that. I'll give you the reference. So that you have it, you can take notes on this. In Colossians 3.13, listen to this. It's Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Why? Forgive anyone that offends you. The Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others that offend you. That's, that's big. Now listen to verse 14 of Colossians 3. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You've got to walk in love toward people. Don't think that we're going to be able to be jerks. It always cracks me up when Christians are like, man, there's just been an attack against me at work and people don't like me because I'm a Christian. Maybe they don't like you because you're a jerk. (laughs) And most of the time I've found that that's true. Most people, they have problems with others because they don't walk by the fruit of the spirit. They're not gentle. They're not kind. They're not even humble. They don't walk in love. They're not peaceful people. Maybe they don't like you because you're a jerk. Maybe that's why. Has nothing to do. They don't even know you're a Christian. And thank God they don't. And that's why they have a hard time dealing with you. In all honesty, and I'm not saying this in a bragging way, I can get along with pretty much anybody. Anybody. I can find common ground. I can talk to people. I can be kind. And I can, I can build others up. The only people that I've ever had that truly uh, had issues is people that were demonized, that like started screaming or freaking out and literally they have demons. But there's, there's people, now there's people that I don't, you know, just because I don't care for somebody's personality doesn't mean I'm unkind to them or don't walk in love towards them or, or anything like that. I just may not choose to spend my time with them. But if I am around them, I have plenty I can talk to them about and be kind and gentle, meek and humble and find out about what's going on in their life. How can I, how can I be a blessing to them? Has nothing to do with that preference. 
has to do with, are you doing what the Bible says? You know, we all have preferences of the type of people we like to hang out with. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're with people, don't hold grudges. Don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. Don't be um, full of yourself. Don't be self-serving, the Bible says, but seek to bless others. When you do, what ends up happening is that is a seed you're sowing that causes you to be blessed. It causes others to do the same to you. It's a harvest that comes back to you. It's a harvest that comes back to you and your children. Think about that and your children. And then finally, number five, I'll tell you this. And and somebody was asking me, I was answering questions on Instagram last week when we were coming up here and uh, somebody asked, what, what would be the, some, um, Hey, love you, Todd. Um, some people were asking me, you know, what would you suggest for, for evangelists that are starting out in the ministry? What are some important traits for evangelists starting out in the ministry? And so I was going through it, you know, be sold out to God, be like Elisha, burn your plows, meaning have no plan B. Don't put your hand to the plow and go back. You know, don't, don't decide, well, I'm going to be a preacher, but now I'm going to go do other things and real estate. No, no, go at it. Um, be, be somebody that reads and studies the word, be someone that goes after, I was given all these things, but the last thing I gave on that list for the question, what would you say to, uh, aspiring evangelists or preachers is this be a giver. (laughs) I can't say this big enough. Be, I put it in all caps in the answer, be a giver. Don't be a cheapskate preacher or evangelist. You know, I can't stand it. These guys like, Every time they meet up with you, they're like turning up, turning in every receipt they've ever had in the history of the world. It's like, hey, we, we had to get some gas on the way up. And then here's my dry cleaning receipts. And here we got some food at McDonald's. Here's those. It's like, be a giver. Don't be cheap. And that's the same for every Christian. If you want to see growth and increase, if you want to see God constantly blessing you, you got to be a giver. You've got to be a generous happy to do it, giver, bottom line, because nothing else, nothing else does God um, respond with increase other than your seeds. Everything in the kingdom is seed, everything. Everything is seed time and harvest. Everything I've been preaching to you today is seed time and harvest. Your faith and getting faith, uh, literally self-control, all these, all these things, prayers, seed time and harvest, the way you treat others is seed time and harvest, and you're sowing financially is seed time and harvest. And I've been telling people, don't be cheap. Be a giver. Be generous. You know, I, I told them, bless your pastor. Bless your pastor. Literally, uh, do something to bless his family. I told him, if you ever see your pastor eating anywhere in the city that you live, uh, any, wherever you're at, you should always, always seek to pick up their check. Even if you're not eating with them, if you just see them in a place, you ought to pay for their meal. You ought to give them gifts. You ought to bless them. Those that you have friends, you ought to be a seed sower, a giver. It always funny to me how quickly the numbers on Facebook, like they're dropping right now. The moment you come to this topic, the numbers begin to drop. We went from 80 to 67 real quick. You know why? Because this is the one that most most people don't want to hear about. It's the one that takes the most maturity. It, it's the one that is really the last bastion of 
uh, your flesh that hangs on tight in the kingdom of God. It's, it's really what you'll do to sow. And here's why. Because you're sowing your money. It, it's a representation of your life. It's not just money. It is your life. And here's, here's how you know. Everything you're doing at your job, giving up time from your family, uh, what you'd like to be doing, all those things to work, and then they give you a paycheck. That paycheck is literally a representation of your time and of your life. And as you sow, you are not just giving God uh, a financial offering. You are literally giving God your life as you sow. No question. You're giving God your life. You're putting your life into an offering because it represents your time. It represents your offering. And um, it's important. It's important. And so I want to encourage you because, see, everybody should be growing. Everybody should be increasing. Um, but don't ever fall into the trap of believing that the reason people aren't growing or the reason people aren't increasing is because, well, God hasn't sovereignly picked them out or chosen them for that kind of an increase. He, you know, he's got me going through a trial brother because he knows that if he takes me through the mud, then he can clean me off and make me a glorious. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. God doesn't want to destroy you for his glory. God doesn't want to cause you to fail and to be hurt and to be destroyed so that he can get more praise and glory or so that you could lean more fully on him or anything like that. Nothing like that. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to increase. He wants you to grow. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And so the key is never-ending increase. I mean, read Psalm 1. Read Psalm 112. Read Psalm 23. Look at the righteous, how they are affected by God. They'll be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in every season. They'll prosper in all they do. Their leaves will never wither. You look at those things. Their offspring will be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches will be in their house. The wicked will see it and grind their teeth in anger. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll not want. You know, you go through all these things that are happen for the righteous. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to increase. And that's the key. That's the key. My desire, and we've been confessing this, is that through 2021, we're going to run supernaturally. We're going to run by the power of God. We'll not be hindered. We'll gain new strength. We'll mount up with wings like eagles. We'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so I want to pray for every one of you that are watching or listening today that God would touch you in such a mighty way in 2021 that when you look back from December to look what God did through 12 months, it will blow your mind to see how far he's brought you in that short period of time. Father, I pray for every one of your people today. Touch them supernaturally. I pray that you'd open up doors for them. Lord, as they grow in faith, as they walk in self-control, as they pray, as they treat other people the way they want to be treated, as they sow their seed, let the increase of heaven hit their lives like they've never known. Let it be so violent and so overwhelming in this year that we will have a testimony of your goodness that nobody will be able to deny. It was you alone. It was you alone 
that did these things. And no, no man, no human can take the praise or the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's Brandon Adams watching for the very first time from South Africa. Everybody welcome Brandon Adams on Facebook. Thanks for hanging with us, Brandon, and thanks for watching. Uh, glad you're on. I don't know if you got a chance to see me on Faith uh, Broadcasting Network, Faith TV, My Faith Africa, uh, but we're, we're on every Sunday night and uh, at 10.30 p.m. your time. And if you get a chance to watch the program, thanks for hanging with us. We're live every day, weekday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern uh, time, New York City time. I want to encourage those of you that are watching to sow a seed today. You know, one of the things that's uh, stirring me up is that the doors keep opening and souls keep being saved. People keep being touched by the power of God. I don't know if you guys got to catch it last week when uh, those uh, miracles were taking place when we were in Indiana. Uh, and our friends drove over, and we originally know them from New York, but they're over in that area now staying for a, a little while in Indiana. But uh, as they came over, and his ears opened up, took the hearing aids out. By the power of God, those ears opened up last week, and he was hearing a whisper and things from far away. And God's doing the miracles. We're seeing people saved. And uh, you're a part of that. It's great to see the Victory Tribe showing up at these revivals. I love seeing you guys in person. We got to see um, Kim Hughes and, and Al LePage and others, Colleen and Ed. This is their home church. We keep seeing people driving in from all over the place. We want to see you. But one of the things I want you to understand is, is that you're joining with this ministry to see the work of the Lord done throughout the earth. And so I want to encourage you right now, those of you that are watching, to sow a seed today by faith. And you can do that here on Facebook by using hashtag donate. But you can also go to MiracleWord.com and all of the ways to give are there on the website. You can use Cash App or Venmo. If you'd like to do a Zelle transfer, that's available as well. PayPal's available. Um, or you can use a, uh, a credit or debit card on the website. But I want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership and believe God that this year of 2021 will be the most impactful year by far that we've ever had in the kingdom of heaven. And, and I'm not just talking about for our ministry, but for the church at large, you know, many ministers have prophesied reputable in full of integrity. Ministers have prophesied that this is going to be the year that the church, the local church rises up in power like never before. And, um, I'm telling you, I believe it. I'm standing on that and we're going to see God move like we never have. And so I want to encourage you to stand with us. We're praying and believing that we will see a harvest come in before it's too late. And so thank you. Those of you that are standing with us at $85 or more, uh, we're going to be sending you that book by Brother Kenneth Hagin, uh, The Will of God in Prayer, which is powerful. And then those of you that are sowing $1,000 or more, there's people that are standing with us often now at $1,000 or more. We're going to also include with that the Life Application Study Bible in Genuine Leather, New Living Translation. I love it. We're using it all the time. It's a great study tool for you guys. But take a moment and sow a seed today. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. And then, of course, tonight through Friday night, we are here at Lakeside Assembly of God um, at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And that's in Shelby Township, Michigan, outside of Detroit. And um, we'd love to see you at the services. So all the information's at MiracleWord.com. Let me say it one more time that uh, these next couple of days are the last days that we have available 
if you want to get one of the Miracle Word Kids Easter boxes before Easter hits, you have to place your order by, by Wednesday or else we won't be able to get it to you. So if you'd like to do that, uh, you can check it out on our store, shop.miracleword.com. The box, which by the way is a Miracle Word Kids custom box, it has bracelet and sunglasses and candy and crafts and a water bottle and all kinds of stuff. You can get a t-shirt with it. It's all packed into this box for your kids. And uh, if you'd like to get them while they're still available, you can do that for the next couple of days online. We love you guys. I'll be back live again tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern in Revival. And then we'll be back again uh, in the morning, 10.30 a.m. Let me give you a plug here. My dad's going live in three minutes on uh, MyFaith.tv, on Facebook, YouTube, on their app. So if you want to see my dad with Dr. Andre and Jenny, you can go watch it, MyFaith.tv. If you search that on uh, Facebook or YouTube, you can watch the broadcast live in about two minutes. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me today. Thanks for sowing seeds. And I'll see you again tonight and in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.